Have you ever wondered to yourself if you should leave or quit something? Maybe you want to leave your job, or quit your degree, or do you even want to leave your own home? The thing is, we all leave things, often not knowing if it was the right decision or not. This podcast talks to people who have made the decision to leave, and each of them have their own unique story, both challenges and triumphs. Some left to try different things, others even return to where they were originally left from. My name is Braden Green, and I left university to pursue my radio and podcasting dream. And this is Leavers. School. Some love it, some loathe it, and some dream of one day attending it. And then there are those who simply want to leave and take on the world. But now I want you to imagine doing something you love for a job. Imagine having a legion of fans so large that you could sell out the MCG. Or imagine competing across the state and country for the chance to be a champion. Well, Jeremy Fiedler doesn't have to imagine. The South Aussie YouTube scooter riding sensation has that life right now. And why not many people can imagine it, here's one that can tell his story. And it all comes down to leaving school. On today's Leave It podcast, we found out why Jeremy made the decision to leave and where it has landed him today. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Leavers podcast. And it is an honour to have Jeremy Fiedler along. Welcome along, mate. Hello. How are you? Very good, thanks, mate. And good. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate your time. And I guess we'll start where we always start, mate. Why did you decide to leave high school? Uh, yeah, so I actually finished up high school end of year 11. Um, I sort of felt like... Because I started YouTube way before that, so and uh, my whole scooter riding and everything, so everything was sort of in motion and uh, picking up quite fast when I was sort of reaching the end of year eleven. And yeah, uh, so I was yeah doing quite well, and I w- already knew that I wanted to pursue it, so I already knew what I wanted to do. And these days, you can always go back and do uh, year twelve or any other schooling that you need at a later date. So I thought. While I'm young, while my body's fit, because uh, obviously it is an active sport, um, I thought I would, yeah, take the opportunity and go out and try progress and build my career. So let's give a little bit of context, mate, because it's a massive decision, obviously, leaving high school, let's be honest. Yeah. So you completed year 11 before finishing year like 12, and you just went, right, this is the time to get out, as you were saying. So I guess, was there any... Um, were you ever tempted, I should say, to go back and finish year 12, like when you started going into your YouTube proper full-time? Actually, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I was I'm pretty, out. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty keen to leave school, actually. It was never really a place for me, um, especially year 12. Oh, no, you're not near year 12, uh, <laughs> high school. You didn't so. even try it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, especially high school. Primary school, I was fine with. That, that was all good. But, yeah, high school, I just didn't didn't really vibe with. Why didn't you vibe with it? I don't know. It's just something that I didn't really, you know, enjoy. Um, I was just always keen to get home and uh, just, yeah, go to the skate park and ride and do everything that I wanted to do. And you still did year 11, so it's not like you gave up incredibly early or anything. Like I shouldn't yeah. even say give up. It's not like you, you decided to leave at a point where... I guess there was a higher education still there for you. You learned a lot of subjects by that point. So you should be proud that you made that decision. Yeah, um, for sure. Let's be honest. What did the parents think? Because, well, it's a massive decision to leave school, especially in this day and age. Were they worried at all or anything? Yeah, it was a, it was a tough one to get it past the parents, that's for <laughs> sure. Um, Dad was a bit more easygoing. Mum, however, she's like, oh, no, I don't, I don't know if you should do this. And then I just had to, yeah, keep convincing them. I sort of started convincing them that it was the right decision halfway through year 11. So, 
yeah, it was um, it was a pretty pretty standard uh, uh, <laughs> mum and dad talk in the lounge room. But yeah, after a couple you know conversations, we ended up getting getting through it, and yeah. So you obviously had thought about this decision for quite a while back. If you were having these conversations halfway through year eleven, yeah, I was um, cause yeah, start of probably year eleven. It was like when I was really starting to think about it. I was like, oh, well, things are starting to pick up. I'm spending a lot more time doing it. I'm enjoying it a lot more. And, yeah, I think it was, yeah, the right decision for me. Yeah. And how do you have that conversation with mum and dad? Because I can't imagine the pressure that you would have felt and everything. It was like, yeah. this is going to be awkward, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Um, I sort of just, like, started mentioning it and I was like, oh, well, this is what I want to do. Obviously, I was talking a lot more about the positives and not the negatives. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just kept yeah, sort of pushing it along. You know, mentioning it every now and then. And then when things got serious, I was yeah doing the full sit down conversation with both of them. And did you ever receive any pressure from outside your parents? Obviously, there's other family involved. There'd be teachers. I mean, talk me through that period of your life. Yeah, um, well, there was never really, like, the teachers were pretty cool with it, actually. I don't, <laughs> yeah, well, they were supportive because they, you know, heard about my, you know, winnings and comps and how good I was doing. So they were actually quite supportive, which was actually quite a relief because my mate, he, um, he actually finished in the end of year 10. Oh, wow. And he had a really hard, like, had a hard going to drop out of school and, yeah, because he was starting an apprenticeship with his dad. And the teachers were not liking it. So I mean, he's still starting an apprenticeship. It's not like he's doing nothing, though. Yeah, you'd think that, but I guess it's still like year ten's pretty early. Like I think year eleven, like some people tend to choose not to do year twelve for a certain reason. So it was a bit more leeway. All right. I mean, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Obviously, the YouTube career. Yeah. So, um, what what was the moment that you knew that you went, "Yep, I want to leave school and really make." YouTube you know my full career like when was there a moment doing this well yeah things were picking up heaps and like my audience was growing quite fast um probably yeah like year 10 year 11 around that area was like my peak yeah yeah so let's I mean let's get into it how many subscribers do you have at the moment um currently I think 117,000 something I don't know <laughs> that's a lot <laughs> yeah there's a couple of humans there <laughs> do you realize how many that you know how many that really is well yeah like it was actually funny like back in high school I was always like calculating like oh this video got 30,000 views all right let's um that can pretty much fill a stadium and that's how many people have you know watched my video so it's pretty crazy to think about um, to put that into context yeah. for people, I mean, that is more than what the MCG can hold, yeah. which is just unbelievable. I um, yep. guess, how did this, how did the, I guess we should even go back. Why did you get into YouTube and how did you get into YouTube? All right. So it started, first of all, like, obviously I was writing first. I wasn't straight away filming. YouTube was never really in the works for me. It was just mainly writing first and trying to get sponsored and do competitions and stuff. But then it, uh... I was watching a YouTuber the name of Tanner Fox. A lot of people were growing up watching him and he was just pretty much filming his day at the skate park with his mates and it was actually really entertaining and then I was sort of motivated and, yeah, I saw that as a potential and I was pretty pretty keen to start making that and then, yeah, I did that with some of my local friends and from there it sort of grew and, yeah, it's where it's ended up now. But, yeah, I guess it's... 
it's you can sort of say it that it happened so quickly, but in all seriousness, it's been seven years or so. So yeah, and I think that's really underestimated in all of this. So, mm. but I guess before we get into that, why did why did those YouTube videos really inspire you? I guess to go into it, is it just the fact that it was like you found it just a great idea to go to a skate park all day and just film, or was it just because of the way it was presented? I think like because you'd personally like I was riding at the skate park and then I'd go home when I couldn't ride anymore and I would watch YouTube and watch, you know, Tanner Fox and his friends ride at the skate park and it would just get me motivated for the next day that I can ride teaching or learning new tricks. And so it was, yeah, really sort of just motivating to get, you know, some more tricks down at the skate park and all sorts. And I guess, so how did the YouTube Let's be honest, it's fame, let's be honest, because it is a lot of people. So how does this come about? Is Was it a slow burn of just continual videos or was there one video that just went mental? What was it like? Um, yeah, there was definitely a couple of viral videos. Um, <laughs> there was the, the first one that was probably super viral that you really stood out and I grew a lot from it was the um, Scooter J Jump video. That one that ended up on the news, which they weren't too, too stoked about, but... I don't know, we thought it was a bit of fun. Um, we tried, you know, doing it as safely as possible. For a bit of context, it was us uh, riding our scooters off the Glenelg Pier jetty mm. doing I, tricks. I yeah. can see why the news had a bit of a negative stick about yeah, it. Yeah, uh, for sure. Were you ever worried about the risks doing that video? <laughs> um, oh, we thought it was pretty safe. Like, we always had two people in the water, and um, as soon as you sort of jumped in and you landed those two people would swim in and, you know, give you assistance carrying the scooter and swimming out. So we thought it was pretty safe. And there was like probably 10 to 12 of us around. So if anything went pear-shaped, it was every, everyone was getting involved. I think it's not everyone will agree with one another, but I think it's a fair risk then you assessed it at least and you did the best that you could to keep each other safe. So that must be a positive, even if people view it as a negative. Yeah, oh, for sure. And like we... It was actually funny because we never filmed uh, that video for it to go viral or that was never the plan. We just did it and because I was in our day, I thought, yep, we're filming it and then uploaded it and bam. And, I, and I'll be honest, I think jetty jumping is very Australian as well. So it probably has that, that um, you know, that attractive nature to Australians and stuff like that. And it yeah. turns out maybe the world. So do you remember how many views that one got? Or? Um, oh, it was like... It was. It all happened pretty quickly. Like first, it got I think like ten, twenty thousand views. So it was like doing good, especially for at the time. And I never thought it would get to where it was, but now I think it's at like one point three million views. That's so, nuts. And like I think like after it was on the news, it really boosted it. So that yeah, shout out to the news. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it did help you in the end. It was yeah. you weren't too angry about what they were saying about you or anything like that. Oh. Uh, well, yeah, mainly the news, like they tried to like twist the story and, you know, they edited my video so it made us look bad. But uh, you get that. It's what they always try to do. So, yeah. Again, this is Jeremy's opinion, if any news channels is uh, listening out there. But I guess, what did you learn from that? You, sp you spoke about having to learn things from that and how you basically carried on with your YouTube. What did you learn? Yeah, well, obviously, like, I had a lot more people watching me and, like, Dad as well, like, mentioned it, like, oh, be careful what you're filming and, you know, putting out there. So, yeah, it was, like, a bit more eye-opening to what I should film and maybe what I should put, like, warnings in the videos or, you know, sort of be a bit more careful. 
they, and is that because of a, a younger a fan base or is it just because you want to protect yourself as well and your friends or yeah well mainly like obviously we we're doing the videos as entertainment or entertainment and yeah obviously i wouldn't want you know my fans to go out and try it and then they end up you know hurting themselves or worse you know getting in trouble and whatnot so how many became subscribers after that? Is it just is it just simply getting the views at first and then hoping to convert them to subscribers? Talk about that battle. Um, with that viral video? Yeah. Um, yeah, so it grew. Um, well, obviously people watched it and then they might click on a different video and then hopefully at the end subscribe. But I guess it was just, yeah, like a whole bunch of them just came out of nowhere that I was not prepared for. Yeah, that YouTube sub count. I remember I was like sitting in, oh, actually no, it was school holidays, so I would have just been sitting at home and uh, like just watching it go up, like numbers just in the live count and I was like so stoked. I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> Does it get addictive? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it gets very addictive. And how far does the scope stretch? I mean, it, it, I mean, I imagine it's mainly Australians because of where you, you come from and where you filmed it as mm. well. But how far does it stretch it, like over the world? I mean, just we obviously know that YouTube can be seen by so many people, but do you have like pockets of fans in different areas? Is there even a majority maybe in America or something like that? Um, yeah, I think the top three is Australia, then America and then UK. So they're like the big ones and then... If you go down, like, because in the back end of YouTube, you can look at exactly who's subscribed from what country and whatnot. Like, it's pretty crazy. Um, but, yeah, I think I've even, like, had, like, merch orders from Kenya and, like, just crazy, crazy places <laughs> that you wouldn't think of. And that's, I think, the other part that we need to point out. I mean, this is a business for mm. you, isn't it? You have your own merchandise. I mean, you yeah. are doing this interview with your own merchandise on. And I yeah. think that's what can be forgotten in this country it's a business isn't it mm. yeah well obviously like especially at my age now like i'm 20 so obviously gotta try make some money <laughs> to stay alive <laughs> but uh yeah so like obviously it started for fun and then i guess i grew it and then yeah money came in which was nice and yeah so i just grew it from there so where did the idea of just merchandise go i know that's a, a bit of a strange one but was it just like you wanted to show your fans that they can be a part of the community or was it just you know brutal we're like i just want to make money um no nah, it wasn't like that it was um a lot of fans and stuff were actually commenting on my videos they're like oh you should make like merchandise you should make this you should make that and i was like, oh yeah how do i do that <laughs> first of all and then i was sort of yeah i didn't know what to do first i was like oh, i'll start small so i went with um yeah, just making some little stickers. And I think I did that at around 20,000 subscribers. I released them and they sold quite well. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And then, yeah, I started seeing kids at the skate park with the stickers. And I was like, well, this is, yeah, crazy. <laughs> is it fair to say that you have a younger audience or are they around your age? Where do they range? Um, yeah, I'd say a little bit younger than me. Um, they probably range from, for like, eight to... Maybe 14. Yeah, that's still good. Yeah. Is it a bit strange having a mainly child base or do you get used to it and you just enjoy the fun that comes with it? Um, no, I get used to it and it's actually quite cool because you're teaching the younger generation as well and like they're all up, up and coming on their scooters and, you know, looking up to me. So it's actually quite cool to be a role model for them.
And do you see like, do they ever pull tricks in front of you and stuff like that? And you think, yeah, I did a bit of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially like once, like I've taught them something like with my scooter lessons as well. Another aspect of what I do. Um, yeah. They've, it's pretty cool. Just at the end of the le- lesson, seeing them, seeing that they've learned something. And we should get into that because you're now, recently anyway, you've basically started advertising scooter lessons here in Adelaide and they've been pretty popular. Yeah, especially in the school holidays, it's been really big, which is, yeah, really awesome to see. And like for me, when I first started, there was nothing around, like all I could do was look at a YouTube video, but there wasn't even tutorials. So like learning tricks back then was really hard. But yeah, for me, for all the kids now, there's a there's a big chance of um yeah them actually learning something and then it makes it a lot more fun for them as well if they're at the skate park and they can actually do something you know it progresses them and makes them actually want to go to the skate park and learn more I mean that sh- that shows a lot of different things about you I think one that shows that you're humble and you're willing to teach the next generation you're not worried of them coming over and taking over your spot one day and the other point is you're pretty you're quite you're quite switched on to see that opportunity as well aren't you and of course probably the biggest one you're pretty skilled i mean how hard was it learning tricks from nothing yeah very hard um so like yeah for instance one of the main uh tricks on a scooter is a tail whip and that like took me two years to land far out and then um yeah like it was only the other week i had a scoot like a scooter lesson with a kid and uh, i taught him pretty much to land a tail whip he's never tried before within 45 minutes so <laughs> there you go <laughs> i mean that shows the uh why the, new, the, mm. the the you know great resources that the new generation have were you a little bit jealous when he landed it like, oh i was like yeah i was like to his mum, like does he learn tricks and stuff so fast like does he pick up on other stuff so fast and she's like no nah, not really i was like oh well okay <laughs> good to see he's got talent yeah for sure so how many hours of work do you say you'd put into the business because as we said it's the merchandising it's the editing it's thinking up of the ideas it's the actual filming there's a lot that goes into it yeah, for sure. And like to balance everything's pretty challenging as well as like, you know, if it's bad weather, you can't go out and film. So you got to, you know, think of something else to do or, you know, work on something else. So yeah, probably put in, yeah, a good like eight hours each day. Um, Cause obviously I have to train as well for the comps and whatnot. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I guess that's the other thing. Where do you get new ideas from do you are you more of an original type of thinker do you get inspired and try and add elements of what others have done yeah well uh, i've filmed i think well over 900 videos now Boy. So <laughs> i'm like yeah you know coming up with an idea nowadays is a lot harder but yeah, i guess you do you know get motivation and sort of in inspiration from other uh youtubers that are in the same space and you sort of, yeah, you can put like a twist on trends as well. I think there was like a, um, actually one of my mates, he filmed a scooter squid game. Like, uh, yeah. That <laughs> well, that's someone good. who's keeping up with the trends. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I guess you can, yeah, sort of look on the internet, see what's trending. That also helps. And, yeah, just coming up with ideas with your mates at the skate park. What's harder, thinking of new ideas or getting new subscribers? Uh-huh. Oh, tough one. Um... Probably have to say, yeah, getting getting new subscribers because it, once you've got the video idea, it's just up to like putting it out and you're hoping people actually see it. So, yeah, I guess, yeah, 
new subscribers would be harder. Does it ever get disheartening when you can't convert those to subscribers or if the views go down, you know what I mean? Does it get hard? Yeah, for sure. Like, especially, you know, when you put a lot of time and effort into a video and then it just doesn't do as well or, you know, gets half the views as your normal videos, you're like, oh, well, that sucked. <laughs> yeah. And I guess, is there a team behind this as well? Because do you have like some more editors? Do you have people who help you with graphics? I mean, or is it just all you and you just go full sprint? No, it's a one-man show at the moment, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yet to employ people. But yeah, I'd like to maybe move on the editing because that takes up like two and a half hours of my day. Oh, so I out. could, you know, be out filming or doing other stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, and your friends obviously help you out with the videos as well, especially when you watch. There is one video I think we should talk about. It was a Christmas special. We uh, actually yeah. made it on ABC Radio. Yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about that one? Yeah, so um, pretty much what I did was, I think it was a couple of days before Christmas, I was thinking of a Christmas special and uh, I couldn't really think of much, but then someone, I can't remember who, suggested the idea I should uh, wrap the West Beach half pipe, which is a 13-foot... <laughs> mega ramp thingy uh it's massive and yeah wrap it in christmas wrapping paper so went out that night i think and bought i think 270 dollars worth of wrapping paper <laughs> and then it was funny because the next morning because we like planned to do it at 4 a.m like get there and start doing it before it gets windy and people actually get to the skateboard and actually want to ride that ramp you know <laughs> so there was a couple compl complications but uh yeah we ended up dropping the wrapping paper, old $270 worth of it, under the ramp that night, like the night before, so hoping no one steals it. And then <laughs> there that morning, waking up early and riding to the skate park and then, yeah, found it was still there, so that was good. You couldn't just keep it in your car maybe or maybe... Oh, I didn't have a car back then. So, no, good point. <laughs> and I don't think anyone was keen to drive me at 4am, so... <laughs> I just, uh, Couldn't wrote. just divide it up about the much <laughs> Like you bring twenty seven, I'll bring twenty seven. Yeah, no. Man, you're brave, just leaving basically two hundred seventy dollars. Yeah, <laughs> I was sketching about it. I couldn't really sleep, but uh, we we got there in the end. Yeah, and that got recognised by the news. So I can imagine. Is it fun doing those themed sort of videos as well? Yeah, it's fun. Um, but when it costs that much and the video doesn't do <laughs> yeah. as well, then it's not so fun. Now, obviously, there is the scooter element to this as well, which again, can get lost in all this because you are a massive YouTuber now. I mean, is it fair to say people underestimate just how much training that you have to do? I mean, you're a good scooter rider as well. You're not just a YouTuber who's entertained people. You're an incredibly talented scooter rider. Yeah. Um, well, especially leading into comps, like now I'm doing a lot more training, which obviously bites into my time to do other stuff and work on videos and stuff. Um but yeah, like right now I'm doing a lot of uh, bike rides. So like getting those leg muscles up, cardio, you know, practicing my run today and then going for a bike ride. So yeah, just trying to fit everything in. Yeah. And you would do maybe like three runs a week or is it a run every day? And by a run, we mean we just, it's like practicing your tricks and everything yeah. like that, obviously. So how many would you do leading up to a comp? Um, so yeah, you pretty much figure out your one line of tricks that you want to do across the whole skate park, touching every other ramp and yeah, you put that together into a 45 second run and, uh, then you get two shots at it on comp day. So leading up to it, practicing, try, yeah, you want to be pretty confident and that you've got everything down pat. So I'd be, yeah, as much as you can really practicing that comp run and yeah. Do you ever remember your first competition that you went into? 
Yeah, I do actually. It was at West Beach Skate Park, which was handy. And uh, first ever one I entered, I came first. So, and, and what was that like? I mean, how how young were you then? I mean, to first try, first go, wins the gold medal. I mean, yeah, I think I was um like end of prom. No, it would have been maybe start of high school. So entered my first comp, and I think I was against like seven or eight people, and I ended up coming out on top. So I was stoked. <laughs> Do you remember that run? Um, oh, it wouldn't have been that good, but it would have been good for back there, back in the day. So, yeah. and I guess, do you have like a favorite trick or even a routine that you've put together over time? Um, probably more favorite trick at the moment would be it's called a kickless bra flip. Um, can't really show you, but yeah, it, it's a fun <laughs> trick. So, can you tell us some of the competitions that you've been involved in? And let's not try over this. You have you know, one of a fair bit of your competitions. If you haven't haven't won, you've placed very well. So can you talk us a bit through that? Um, yeah, so in the South Australian comps, I've done quite well, um, usually top three or top two quite often. Um, actually, I'm state champion. I won state titles two years back. And now since COVID sort of ruined the comps last year, uh, I'm still reigning state yeah, champion. You're still, I mean, so that's kind of a good thing about COVID yeah. at least, you know, still get to be state champ that little uh, bit yeah. longer. That's one positive. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then Australian titles last year, no, not last year, the year before, um, I did place third. So out of, I think it was 40 people. And how amazing that's feeling. I mean, you've, you're incredibly close to the national champion, but you still did an amazing effort to be on the podium as well. What was that experience like? Where was it? All of that. Yeah, it was crazy. So I was up in Brisbane, this one, and like I was practicing my run. I was feeling pretty confident and I was actually like a couple weeks before that, I just got on my big sponsor that I'm currently on, which is Root Industries. So it was a lot of pressure leading into this comp. And yeah, so I was you know, trying to get get my run sorted and, yeah, things actually started piecing together towards the end and, yeah, I came out in third, so I was stoked. So talk about that pressure that you're getting. I mean, you're sponsored, not everyone is sponsored as well. How, what was that pressure like? Um, yeah, especially because, like, you want to do well for your sponsor, especially when they've just put you on. You know, it's your first competition, your first... I guess, impression for all their following and maybe the other teammates as well, you know, to see how good this kid is and then come out on third, I was, yeah, super stoked. Did you have big celebrations afterwards? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we had to catch a flight, like leave the accommodation at 3.30 in the morning, so the next day. Oh, far out. Yeah. Not much time to celebrate. <laughs> no, not much. <laughs> so talk about... How did you go about getting sponsored? I mean, think about it just for young athletes that are thinking about it. How how'd you go about it? Um, yeah, there's this day and age, like, sponsors aren't just looking if you're a good rider. You want to be, you know, doing everything that you possibly can, be on every social media. Um, you want to be, like, really nice, like, and be really friendly to other people at the skate park, present yourself well. Like it's just, it, yeah, pretty much everything combines into one. It's not just your writing. Did that take time to learn or, I mean, because I must imagine being being young and being sponsored for the first time, it must feel different now that you're a bit older, you know, more of the game and everything and how it works. Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, and like I started with smaller sponsors, um, so it was actually quite good to start with the small ones. Then obviously now I'm pretty big uh, with the big sponsors, so... 
yeah, actually worked out quite well. What's the biggest thing people don't realise about scooter riding? Because I think sometimes it can be seen quite negatively because, I don't know about you, I think there's a stigma around skating. Oh, it's a skate park. There could be some rough kids. It hasn't always been seen positively in the media, as we've seen with your videos. Um, what's something people don't really understand and should really look in more into, I suppose? Um, yeah, I think, obviously, if you've never seen it before, um, yeah, Obviously, you can't really judge a book by its colour, but if you went to the skate park and actually, you know, you saw the people do the tricks and you'd actually be pretty impressed. So I think, yeah, there is a stigma, especially like being a skate park. It's not really a scooter park. So a lot of the skaters are sort of beefing with the scooter rides, but it's calmed down. So that's good. So that is real. There is a beef between. Oh, some yeah. Sp- yeah. Yeah. Um, especially back in the day when I started, like if you get in the skater's way, they would lose it. Like, yeah, yeah. And it's like usually not your fault either, which is annoying. So that has calmed down now, I'm supposed. Yeah, luckily. um, Because there's a lot more scooter riders now. Like if you go to a skate park um, a few years ago, you'd only see like one scooter rider and maybe a few skaters. But now it's like, oh, you see like the whole skate park is packed in scooters and maybe a couple skaters. So I guess it's sort of tables have turned. I know this is a lot of pressure to ask a young man, but... How do you change that stigma? Um, I guess, I mean, like, you always just want to be nice. Like, obviously, they might not be having a, the best day if they're not landing their trick. So I guess just be friendly, even if you do get in their way. Um, yeah, the only thing you really can do. Why should people get down to their local skate park and, you know, even try scooter riding? Um, I think it's really, yeah, just a really good thing to get out. Obviously, a lot of people are stuck at home. Um, but, yeah, to get outdoors these days is like a bit of a privilege. So if you can, um, yeah, get your hands on a scooter, first of all, it's easier to learn than a skateboard because you've got someone to hold on to. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and it's a bunch of fun. You pick up things quite well. I guess it's something I probably really should have asked earlier. But why a scooter? Because especially the early days, I feel like skateboards were the king of the skate park, you know what I mean? And it was just like it was them or nothing, you know. We had still rollerblading and stuff like that. Why a, why a scooter? Um, Yeah, good question. I think it, well, it originated in 2007, so you didn't really see them around till maybe, you know, 2012, around that time. But, yeah, I think, like, yeah, it's just super fun to do and I guess yeah I think you can buy them pretty cheap now and they're all really good quality so yeah okay YouTube though I mean do you have any tips for people who are thinking about creating a YouTube channel what are some of the big things that people should know before starting one or just you know as they're going through it yeah um yeah definitely the thing with YouTube is you want to be super consistent um that's definitely key the algorithms and stuff they love it um and then, yeah, just try post good quality content. I think even like I watched a podcast with Mr. Beast and his advice was actually quite good. He said, make 100 videos and every video you make, you improve one thing. And by 100th video, you'll have a really good video. Far out. A lot of videos and just a lot of improvement. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, you always try to pick up on something and guess improve so yeah and for people who are not might not be familiar with your work how often do you post and what what can they expect from someone who hasn't been on your youtube channel before um so i used to post not very frequently but now um i post every second day i did do a couple stretches of daily i think the most days i did was 27 almost, almost a whole month yeah almost a month that was tough though 
to go out and film a video and edit a video and upload a video every single day takes takes it out of you. Does the content suffer during that period, you think? Um, not really. Um, I found it was still just as entertaining and I was still editing them just as good, so... I didn't think that. Um, there was just more content out. What does it take to be a scooter rider, though, especially of your level? What's the some of the things that people should, if they would like to get, you know, into the athlete side of it? What are the some of the things that they should learn to get into? Good habits. What would you say to them? Um, definitely, like start out with your smaller tricks and see what you can see what you can try learn at the skate park. Um, it's always good to ride with a friend. So if you have someone that shares the same hobby. You're going to learn off each other pretty quick and you guys will both have a bunch of good times. So, yeah, I guess, you know, just trying to learn those basic tricks first and then just trying to progress, trying to get your tricks consistent, clean. And, yeah, by the time you've worked all that out, you'll be doing those big tricks and hopefully someone will notice you and you'll, yeah, be really good. And I'm guessing you made a lot of friends from, from scooter riding, I imagine. Yeah, definitely. I've made a few big friend groups. So, yeah, they're still friends with today. So, it seems good. Now, on Levers, I ask this question to everyone because when people leave things, they can be seen as a quitter. There's like a negative stigma put on by people. Do you think people can get too stubborn and not leave things? Like, they won't leave because it's a matter of pride for them? Yeah, I guess, especially if you put so much time and effort into it and then, you know, you just like leave that behind. It's sort of, yeah, it can hurt and it's not what you want. So what advice would you give to someone who is thinking about leaving school? Yeah, I'd say like if you're determined into something and you put a lot of effort into it already while you're at school and you know it's something that you want to do, um, especially for me, like what, I, what I'm doing is something that I probably won't be able to do when I'm 50. So I sort of got to do it low or I guess early days. Um, so I was putting a lot of time and effort into it and I guess that's, yeah. And while you're here, let's let's plug your channel. So, what what should people go into? Subscribe and have a look, and just have just a general watch and enjoy your your content. Yeah, um, Jeremy Fiedler. If you look it up on any any social media, you'll find me. Well, thanks so much for the interview, mate. I mean, we should get into some fun ones, though. I mean, you've done really well to answer these serious questions at such a young age as well, and it's really important that you're putting all these skills out there for people and just to learn your story. I guess. So, the first fun one: Who's your favourite scooter rider growing up? Uh, I'd probably have to say Ryan Williams. He's still killing it. Um, he's actually on Nitro Circus too. And, yeah, he's been killing it ever since. I look up to him a lot. Big Nitro Circus fan, I can imagine. Yeah, been to a couple of shows. Now, I know you love your dirt biking as well and your four-wheel driving, it must be said. But if you had to give one up, which would it be? Um, oh, I'd have to say motorbike riding. Yeah. Because it's a bit more dangerous. So. <laughs> Four-wheel driving, it's not as dangerous. So, And I guess why do you like your four-wheel driving and why do you like your, your dirt biking? Um, I like, yeah, the outdoors, like seeing places I've never seen before, like camping, I'm into all that, and so are my mates, actually. So, again, like if you enjoy a hobby with a mate, it makes it ten times funner. So, yeah. If you had unlimited money, what would be the dream YouTube video you would want to make? Um, Probably something like giving away money to... <laughs> Like I think a lot of people are going to like this one. Yeah, like giving away money to randoms or like I've seen I've seen some videos where like people give like large amounts of money to a random you know subway worker and then just saying, all right, well will you quit for this amount of money? And then they pretty much quit their job and they become I don't know some ten grand richer. (laughs) 
what was what's the most random place that you've been noticed? Like something you just wouldn't have expected to be noticed. Oh, uh, I got I got this one. So on the when I was in Alice Springs earlier this year, I was noticed on the side of the Fink track, which is we're up there for a Fink Desert Race, which is like a pretty renowned rally race, and we pulled up like it's a two hundred twenty-seven stretch kilometer stretch of dirt road. We pulled up just at this random spot and there was a fan there. He's like, what? Absolutely. <laughs> like out, out in the middle of Australia. But yeah, that was pretty cool. And how do you interact with your fans? Do you give them signatures? Do you take photos with them? I mean, what's it like, that interaction when you get to meet a fan? Yeah, like obviously they're like sometimes a bit nervous and stuff, but I always ask like, oh, do you want a photo, signature or anything? Um, yeah, pretty much anything they want. Sometimes I have stickers on me as well, so I give them some stickers and stuff. Do you have a dream scooter event that you would love to compete in one day? Yep, it is the uh, ISA World Champions Chips, or Ships, <laughs> World Championships uh, in Barcelona. So that's a big one. There's like top 50 riders in the world. Wow. Um, who's your top three YouTubers? Top three, um, probably have to say I like Brody Moss. This is like different. So this is someone that does like fishing and camping and stuff. So watch him quite a bit. Um, I always go back to Tanner Fox where I sort of got motivation for what I'm doing, which is cool. And last one, I'd probably have to say uh, maybe even... Uh, yeah, Ryan Williams, because he, yeah, films like those Nitro Circus shows and stuff, and he does this riding on bike and scooter as well, which is crazy. If you could go anywhere in the world, where would it be? Barcelona. There's some awesome street spots there. So, like, you can just pretty much ride around the streets and you'll find a curved ramp, which is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Most embarrassing YouTube video you've ever put up. Is there something that you've gone, oh, I regret putting that one up? <laughs> oh... Maybe if you go to back back to any of my early videos, just because my voice sounded so different and like I was just so small and looked so different. So any of them, yep. Favourite place in South Australia? Probably have to say, yeah, maybe the York Peninsula. That's quite nice down there. There's a lot of nice beaches and stuff. And I guess because you love camping as well, where's your favourite camping spot? Uh, yeah, it would actually be on York Peninsula. It's the Gap. Um, yeah, there's a nice beach that you can yeah drive your four-wheel drive on and pull up in the sand dunes and camp. And lastly, how important is it to switch off from YouTube as well and just give yourself a break? Yeah, very good. That's like why I haven't filmed any of my four-wheel driving and dirt. Well, I've filmed a bit of dirt biking, but mainly just four-wheel driving. Just like it's always good to have a hobby that you're not working for. So like you can always go back to that and yeah, you'll be sweet. Well, Jeremy, it's been such an interesting interview from such a young age to make such a big decision in your life and to really grab it with two hands, show that you're patient, you're willing to learn these tricks over a long time and you're willing to work on your YouTube for a long time, show your innovation really by thinking up these new ideas and your humbleness to still teach the younger generation. I think that's going to be massive, mate. Seriously, you could make such a big impact on these young people's lives and older people's lives, of course, and it's going to last for a long time, mate. And I really hope whatever happens in the future that you succeed, mate, and I think you're going to go far. You really are. You, I think the crazy thing about this is that you're so young and you might not realize it now, but you've got such a long career ahead. You've done so much already and we can't even begin to imagine what's happening next so thank you for joining us on the levers podcast mate i really appreciate it thank you it's been a pleasure well what a story that jeremy's given i mean it's brave i mean i don't think you actually realize how brave he is being so young to be honest and look 
we're not going to recommend people leave school and everything like that. That's just not my place. But what you can get from this story is that if you do have the skills and the ability, it is an option for people. And it's really opened my eyes. I'm always big on education. So it's really interesting to see someone who did it differently. And I really appreciate Jeremy coming on. It takes a lot of guts to come out and talk about that. So, yeah, but I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you tune into the next episode of The Leavers Podcast. This was a Smashed Gnome production.